This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello, folks. We are back. It has been eight days since the wild ride that was the 2021 US Open ended. Uh, we've been on a bit of an emotional wild ride since then of sort of adrenaline crashes and uh, relief, but also sadness, wistfulness. Matt's on holiday. David and I are here. David looks refreshed and well. I'm very pleased to report this is a very healthy looking David Law that I see before my eyes. How are you, David? I'm all right, Catherine. I'm all right. Thank you very much for asking. And yes, I <laughs> I do recognize myself in the Zoom call now, which is pleasant to see. Um, after a, a, a weird old week in which we had so many incredible highs and exhilaration and yet... I was feeling appalling and I was in bed shivering with fever. Um, not COVID, but it did have a virus. And uh, uh, yeah, it was quite interesting listening to, I think the first time it struck me when uh, when you said uh, I'd kind of got over, over-amped, over-hyped. <laughs> and it was, it was almost like, gee, I can't handle the excitement. It was so ex- so extreme and I got over David's got an excitement-related illness, which is a new <laughs> genre, a new genre for the medical profession. Um, um, yeah, well, we did, in the, in the preview podcast, you were so pumped. And maybe you knew something that we didn't, David. I didn't. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you knew how good it was going to be, but you were so pumped. Yeah. And it was almost like your body went, no, we Not can't keep this up. We can't keep this up for two weeks. We're going <laughs> to shut down. Indeed. Well, thankfully, you both did the most splendid job in my absence. And uh, and I got to be a listener, which I enjoyed immensely. And a viewer, folks, as Catherine spoke to 10 million people on Channel 4, which uh, which I was most proud about. But no, no, and then we had the most mind-blowing final weekend, which is why why I'm here, isn't it, really? Yes, because folks, you were listening to Tennis Relived. <laughs> <laughs> One week on. <laughs> One week on. Uh, yeah, we're just going to do a relived of the 2021 US Open sort of weekly uh, for, for, for the rest of time. Uh, yeah, we are, we are going back 
into the significant moments of the US Open to get the David Law hot takes that you missed at the time because he was he was shivering in bed with an excitement related illness. Mm. Um so yeah, it's a it's it's a thinly veiled excuse to relive the US Open because I don't I don't want it to be over. No. I miss it. That is the thing, isn't it? It's I think the last week a lot of it has been still trying to come to terms with the fact that it all happened. Um I, I, I've I've had a few messages with people that were covering it like yourself and um I spoke I sent a couple of messages to Anki Othavong and she was just seemed to be in it, genuinely in disbelief that this, that even mm. days on, just kept waking up trying to make sure mm. that this had actually happened. I'm talking about Radicano, of course. Um, and I, I've actually since watched the whole thing uh, over this last weekend. Um, so one week on, and because I, I want, I actually wanted a bit of detachment to be able to just see the match and see the coverage and try to relate it back to the week I've had of people randomly in the street that i vaguely know bring in tennis up to me and wanting to you know i went to, to my son's football match the other day and there's a guy who told me that he'd never watched a tennis match from start to finish in his whole life including at wimbledon and yet he was quite pleased that his wife had gone out on a night out so he could get a takeaway in and just sit down on his own and watch Channel 4's coverage of Raducanu's title win. And he said, I didn't move. And he, and he was just bowled over by it. And and I've had so many conversations like that of people who've just said, right, I'm going to watch more tennis in the future um, because it was just so amazing. And uh, yeah, to, to then watch it back myself. Yeah, you know, you guys were talking about where does this stand in, in the all-time great, stories and all-time great u.s opens and i cannot think and i know it's only a week on but i cannot think of anything better the only one that rivals it is 91 u.s open for me when i fell in love with the sport and jimmy connor's had his run the only one close but this even wimbledon oh one yes similar similar kind of feeling of disbelief yeah it's those kind of moments i think isn't it um, out of the blue and the euphoria. Um, the the film Wimbledon was on the telly the other day. Was it? And uh, I, I, I didn't watch it. I flicked on for sort of two minutes to remind myself of how truly appalling it is mm-hmm. uh, and then flicked on to something else. But I realised that uh, Emirati Khanu's <laughs> run to winning the US Open title was more implausible than the plot of Wimbledon. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, and the semi-finals of Wimbledon were bonkers. played on court two. So <laughs> yeah. that's how extreme we're talking. Yeah. Um, with, yeah. I, I mean, it is, it is, it is so difficult for us tennis folk to convey to these, these new tennis watchers exactly how, wild this is isn't it i mean i hope we've done an okay job of that i hope i did an okay job of that to to channel four viewers on the night of the final but 
that's the challenge, I think. That is the challenge because, you know, I I joked on our coverage that we just, we went too early with the hyperbole. I remember on quarterfinals night, it was, you know, what on earth is happening? How is this real? I can't believe it. And that was, that was a, just a blooming quarterfinal. That was nothing. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. It's the sort of result that I sometimes preempt at the start of a tournament by being silly. I'm, I know in the past that I've said, just imagine if a qualifier came through and won it. You know, I sometimes say silly things like that, that can't possibly happen. But I mean, the, in theory it could happen, but it never will. And this happened. And that, that's, that's how I sort of. Will it ever happen again? I don't know. Um, I mean, I. It's it's like Leicester winning the league in the in the Premier League. In that you, you it makes you think. Well, of course it can now because it's happened. And yet, several years on from Leicester winning the league, nobody else has got close. And actually, all the rest of the the best teams in the world, the most expensive, richly assembled teams, have got stronger as a direct result. So I think that there are chances, for instance, that this might make the rest of the top players better, may, may make them just sort of realise they've got to do something more, they've got to improve. Or it might it might make qualifiers believe. Yes. Just just like I think there was a bit of an Aslan Karatsev effect. Mm, I agree. And that's on the lower difference. ranked players. That's the difference with the Premier League is it, it doesn't really matter how much money you spend in tennis. Yes, there is an, a, a degree of how much you can build your team and have the best coach and the best trainer and all the best facilities. But once you're out there, if you're not as good as your opponent, there is a talent gap. And Emma Raducanu, at the moment, just in terms of sheer talent, well, she was the best player in that draw. And... uh and it, nobody has yet spotted any obvious weakness. So there's no reason why she shouldn't be able to do it again. And in terms of just sheer ability, at least. So what now then for Emma Raducanu? She's, she's had, she had quite a week, hasn't she? She, she is now home on UK soil. I think she got home on, uh, on Thursday. Um, and we saw her doing, um, the rounds of British TV on, on Thursday morning, BBC Breakfast, Good Morning Britain, those sorts of things. Friday, um, I think in the end it was that she did, the, Friday. did those ones. But yeah, I mean, it has been a week of coverage and that's included the following weekend as well. Um, which has been extraordinary. I think the sheer amount of coverage. Have you ever paid attention to the Met Gala, David, before this year? I know of its work. <laughs> uh, I have to be honest with you. I don't really know what it is. I just know that certain, I think Roger Federer has been in the past and people mm. went, oh, Roger Federer's at the Met Gala and he's wearing that fancy tux. Something like that. Mm. It's a big party. Right. It's a big sort of society event party with a very fashion-y sort of streak to it yes i noticed matteo berrettini was there in his tux yes loitering in the background lo looking like a butler for the event 
<laughs> very handsome butler. Um, yeah. But uh, he was there, and uh, there were other tennis he, players tennis, there. Tennis took over. Yeah. Felix Auger-Aliassime was there. Leila Fernandez was there in a dress that was inspired by a dress that uh, by a twin set of dresses that that Venus and Serena Williams wore to the same event in the late 90s which I just loved Emma Raducanu was there in Chanel looking just incredible uh Venus Serena and Maria Sharapova were there and were pictured all together was that a genuine shot uh, it look well, I can only report on what I see. I, I was sadly, David, not there at the Met Gala to bring you full reporting. I will try to rectify that in future years. But there was a shot of them all looking like they were having a lovely time together. Marvellous. Unexpected. Yeah, very unexpected. Um, in fact, Maria Sharapova was in between Venus and Serena, wasn't she? Yes. She was the filling in the sandwich. Yes, I hope that, I hope that was real. Um, but I... I wasn't. I mean, obviously, wasn't surprised to see Raducanu there because uh, this is her moment, really, to just say hello to everybody. And she was on all those American talk shows the morning after winning the title. She did a photo shoot over there. When she arrived back to the UK, there was a hastily assembled photo shoot in her own driveway with her parents, which, uh, I mean, they all looked a bit sort of, right, how long do we have to stand here smiling for uh, before we can go in and have a cup of tea? That's how they looked. And then, as you say, she did the the rounds of morning shows. And she did, what I liked is she didn't go into the studio. She just sat in her own room on a Zoom and spoke to BBC Breakfast, Good Morning Britain on ATV, um, Sky News, Five Live, Radio to everybody. She just spoke to everybody in in a couple of hours period, which I think was a, a really good way of doing it. And I think some people have, are a little concerned about the the sheer amount of media attention. And I think in this instance, that is exactly the way to do it in order to just get it out of the way because people do want to hear from her. They do want to speak to her. And it's a good news story. It's an exciting news story, and it was a and she came across so wonderfully well. She's got such a lovely way about her in these things, and she seems to handle it very well. the The part that I find concerned about is the 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 gap filling of stories because Radikanu now is of such a status, such a big name now, and because she. And I hate using this term, but it's true because she gets clicks on stories. There is like an arms race to come up with the next Redicano angle. There is there is a an urgency about it, and the 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 media outlets and I I don't blame them for this because they their businesses ultimately they've got to find ways to get attention on their on their work or they go out of business. And Radicano is a big deal at the moment. So they, they're continually trying to come up with more and more and more in order to tell an element of her story that people will click on or watch or consume. The problem with that is I think it can then end up straying into areas that are potentially irresponsible um, or certainly uncomfortable in terms of is this, is this going to affect her? 
damage her. I, I saw the front page, I think it was on Friday or Saturday, the front page, Saturday, I think, of the Daily Mail. Now, the Mail has a tennis correspondent who is one of the longest standing and most professional journalists we have in Mike Dixon, and he, he knows what's what. The front of the newspaper doesn't have the same it won't have the same degree of responsibility it doesn't it won't care as much and their front page headline was exclusive my fears for emma by her doting grandmother and when you read read the the piece they'd in they'd in their words tracked down her 88 year old grandmother in romania in order to to get her reaction now a lot of what she said was lovely and on all the rest of it but i did think crikey you know suddenly it's like the wild west out there in terms of of journalism into this young woman's life and family and things are just popping up all over the place and there's no and I, and look i'm a, i i love journalism and i want to i want the media to have freedom to to do their jobs but it just it made me feel a little bit icky that did to be honest um and i'm not sure how she moves on and keeps the same and how how they organize things if it's going to go off in all these degrees of tangents hopefully it's a week's worth and then it will calm down and then it's done and she just i mean i know back in the day i mean tim hemmons always always said it's water off a duck's back i just turn a blind eye to it yeah it happens i can't stop it i ignore it and i just move on you know and that's that has genuinely been his his approach to it and he seems he seems fine with that now but it she, is different with social media. Yeah. And, and yes, you receive all this all this sensible advice, you know, don't look at it. Certainly, or, or you know, maybe not forever, but in, in periods where you're going to be particularly in the spotlight, don't look at it. But I just don't, I don't think that's reasonable or even feasible for an 18-year-old. They live a large portion of their lives on social media and that's, that's fine. Um, you know, I think, I think, us old folks saying, "Oh, just don't look at Twitter for a while." It's not. It's not the same for for young people who socialize on on social media. You know, it is. It's it's a large fact of how they live. So I just don't think it's it's practical in the long term to just say, "Oh, don't look at it all." In the way that you know, Tim Hemman just never read a paper. You know, he had that one bruising experience, I think, at Wimbledon, um, where there was just some unbelievable headline you've led us all down Tim or something like that. And he just decided, right, I'm never reading a paper again. Um, and that really worked for him. Um, and yeah, obviously blocking it all out is a really desirable, desirable way forward. If you're able to do that, I just don't think that's practicable, practicable for, for an 18 year old mm. and, in 2021. And look, I should say, literally all of it over the last week i would describe as positive media coverage there is nothing bad to say about this young woman as far as i can make out she's just a, a really ad, admirable young woman to be proud of in just about every but that way will, that will make people dig and find something well 
I think what will happen is, I mean, for for a start, you've already seen that there is digging going on into all aspects of her life just to bring out another angle and another angle and another reason for people to click and find out about Emma Raducanu. Again, I, so far, all I've seen is, I mean, what, there's nothing bad to say. She's just a lovely person from a really nice family, and she's just won the US Open. What's this to say? And And that's what the coverage has been like. It's been great. But... She's going to lose matches in the future. She's going to lose tennis matches when everybody is expecting her not to. And that then feels different. When she gets to Wimbledon next year, there's going to be hype like you would never believe. There's not going to be a football tournament, I don't believe, on at the time. She is such an enormous star, and she's going to lose tennis matches. And I think we all just have a responsibility to 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 remind people she's going to lose tennis matches and that it's it's okay to lose tennis matches um and i just and some players some human beings handle these things absolutely fine they lose them they understand all the the hoo-ha around it and they just crack on and just go on to the next week you know um i just hope she can because i think she is she's got so much to, to rejoice over in terms of her her tennis and her her just way of being I, I I think she's such such good news for for the tennis world for the sporting world for women's sports for young people to aspire to for society she just is good news and um I just want to want that to carry on as long as it possibly can and and I don't want to take away from the fact that I mean, I haven't even talked about her tennis and that final because that final was just a fantastic final in itself. Um, both women bringing it the way they did and playing so well. It was one of the best. Yeah, I think you said it at the time. It's a straight set match that was a classic. It was an absolutely cracking match. Fantastic contest. Loved it. Um, but yeah, these are concerns for the future, certainly. Mm. And and you know the cautionary the cautionary tales exist, don't they? Of of uh, not to the same extent. Obviously, we've we've tried to describe for you exactly how unprecedented this is. But in the same genre of of experience, there are there are people that have been through something at least close to this, and they're not all terrible, horrible <laughs> stories. But there are cautionary mm. tales um, that we should all keep in the back of our minds. I think when yeah. we when we report on Emma Raducanu. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And even in terms of what her her next moves should be, because I, uh, she was asked in some of these interviews on TV, she was asked, "Oh, and uh, what are you going to spend the money on?" And she was asked this by like they got a little kid to ask it, for instance, so that it could be more blunt. And she very said very cleverly just said oh honestly i'm just going to leave that to my family and my agent and my team to sort out i'm not you know she'd got this line about how she just wanted a new pair of airpods earphones you know just because she'd lost hers and that's all she'd been hoping she'd win enough money for it was just such a great way to get around that question um she told stories about how she'd she'd finally watched the match again or for the first time five or six days on and she she couldn't believe it was her that she was watching um she was a little bit nervous watching it and and then and then the attention went to right well 
what tournaments you're going to play next, what you're going to do next. And we've got things like Indian Wells around the corner. And um, she just said, you know, what? I haven't even thought about it and because my ranking is completely different to what I thought it would be right now. So it does give me other options, but she just took it all in a stride. But one thing I did do is dropped a note to Laura Robson, who I think is probably the the closest example in Britain that I can think of of somebody who had extreme success at a young age. I mean, Laura was Wimbledon junior champion at 14. And at 18, she's beating Kim Clijsters and Lienar at the US Open to get to the last 16. Now, suddenly that sounds like small fry compared to what Raducanu has just gone and done at the same age. But don't forget that Laura then went on and she beat Petra Kvitova at the Australian Open just a few months later. And it, this sort of career that we are seeing for Raducanu and we expect to see from Raducanu, we thought we would get from Robson. We, I definitely, if I'd have been asked, I'd have said this woman is going to be a Grand Slam champion and she could be world number one. And she wasn't. She wasn't either of those. She's, she had terrible wrist injuries um, not long afterwards, which just completely derailed her career. She was out for a good couple of years and she was never the same again. And then she ended up having terrible hip problems, which have stopped her from playing. I mean, I know she still would love to play again, but chances are this may well be it. We, do, we don't know for sure, but it may well be. And it's 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 so sad to see that that, that happened to her career. I mean, I, we spend a lot of time with Laura, you on TV and I myself on the radio, and she's just, she's a really good pundit and commentator and great observer of tennis and really insightful and, and strong strongly opinionated as well and i i have a lot of time for what she has to say but i still feel sadness when i think of the fact that her career was taken away from her and what i asked her the other day um was if if she could in hindsight do anything differently would she and what would it be and you know because obviously she had injuries but was there anything she would do differently in hindsight and she said, it's a tough one. She says, I think everybody's very different, but if I were to do it again, I would have spent a bit more time at home getting stronger rather than doing the expected tournament schedule. If I recall correctly, I did a decent swing in Asia after the US Open and made the Guangzhou final, but was then exhausted. I, I would have traveled more with my mum. I felt burnt out sooner when it was just coach and trainer with me. But it's all easy to say now. I took the advice I was getting at the time. And, you know, I think that that is probably as good a, an indicator. And, and as she said, everybody's different. Raducanu may go and play some tournaments, tear it up and just have the most incredible decade. But it's definitely got to be handled with care. Um, and I th- And I think it will be. From everything I've heard, I think it will be. I really hope so. Yeah, that is very, very interesting, though, isn't it? And um, yeah, I think who she travels with, I, I certainly think think is going to be very, very important because by all accounts, she she had a a really lovely, brilliant celebration on the night of her her win. I think she, you know, she's too too young to drink in in the states, isn't she? And and I don't think she does drink. I think I read that anyway. You know, they couldn't go out to a bar or anything, so I think they had a sweet. Um, they were given a suite in their hotel and and I, I think 
I think Tim Henman joined because he's obviously friends with her coach, Andrew Richardson, and he'd formed a real bond with with Emma over the course of the fortnight, as Matt and I discussed um, a week or so ago. But, you know, I did have this image in my mind. Of, it was just her with a with a load of people that to her would be old blokes, right? <laughs> this 18-year-old girl and a load of middle-aged blokes <laughs> doing karaoke. <laughs> How weird. Um and yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously worked out brilliant for brilliantly for her this tournament, this whole swing on US hardcourts, who she's been traveling with and everything. But um, Judy Murray did that piece in the Telegraph, didn't she? Where she described how careful they were about Andy Murray's early days on tour and how they really put thought into how to give him just small slivers of normality here and there they would fly out friends to be yeah. with him for for tournaments and and that that really stuck with me and it, obviously it's still not normal you know <laughs> rather than you know being at uni or whatever being at a tennis tournament in san jose with your you know with your mate being flown out to to be there and sit and watch your matches but it's it's something it's something um and yeah there's obviously no no certified winning formula, but um, I hope that attention is paid to all those things. And by the sounds of things, she she has the right people around her to do that, and and she has a good head on her shoulders. She's smart, and she has she has a lot of agency. I think she takes advice, yeah. she takes it on board, but ultimately she makes the decisions. Mm. Um, and I think all of that bode bodes well we don't want to be sort of naysayers and you know we don't want to take the joy away we just want to be careful um and striking that balance is obviously going to be going to be important do you have more do you have more hot takes for us david i don't think so i mean i think you because mainly because the two of you just covered it so well in that post match show uh you said so many of the things that i that i felt um about the wonder of it all, the occasion. It genuinely was one of the best, if not the best, Grand Slams I've ever seen. And I'm I'm sad that I didn't get to experience all of it fully fully fit uh, and be part of it all in quite the same way that that I, that that you were, and I would have loved to do that. But just in terms of I want to watch it all over again, all of it. I I I I missed some of the middle weekend stuff of Alcaraz and um and Leila Fernandez's incredible wins on the way to the final and and the way they carried themselves and they just looked at each other and in the ceremony and and the way they just went at each other and it was just great. All of it was just sport at its best. Um loved it. You didn't mention the men's final, David, in that list. No. Tell me your takes about the men's final. Well, I th it's one of those, isn't it? Not one of us picked when we got to the final. None of us picked Medvedev to win. And then it's when you saw it, you there was a moment where you think, well, how come, how come this didn't even really infiltrate our brains that Djokovic might not have had much left mentally and emotionally and physically after losing a set in all those other matches and five sets in the semi-final and this kind of almost don't care attitude that Medvedev comes in with being as dangerous as it is. And by the way, he was playing bloody good tennis as well. 
three sets though for Medvedev, I would not have thought. Uh, I would not have thought that would happen. Of course, I wouldn't. Uh, I th- I said Djokovic in five. I think in the in in pre match. Um, but what happened when Djokovic was seeing that he was likely to lose, and he and he started to weep on his chair and cry uncontrollably into his towel, um, and the crowd responded to him, and it meant a lot to him. That just took me back to some of the great champions of the past who've struggled to to become crowd favourites on a wide scale. I mean, we know Djokovic has got his his devoted followers, um, but in order to get the groundswell of support behind him and the and and the emotion and the affection of a crowd, it took this. It took this moment, and I've seen that before with Ivan Lendl when he was world number one, or at least for, at least it did for me anyway, as an observer, I used to want Ivan Lendl to lose all the time. I used to want Stefan Edberg to lose all the time. And suddenly these moments happened where they showed vulnerability and they showed that they couldn't beat everybody and that it hurt them and it mattered to them and they cared. Um, I find those moments very touching. Um, and I'm, and I'm quite pleased, really, that Djokovic at least had that moment because he, what he did do this year was an extraordinary feat, even in his inability in the end to complete it uh, and in the end his inability to win the gold medal at the, the Olympics. Still did something incredible and perhaps gained something that he wouldn't have gained had he won. Um, at least a moment of of just real appreciation from a crowd from the heart mm. and 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 that relief that mm. relief that he experienced that he would have experienced win or lose that was that was very human and relatable as well wasn't mm. it yeah yeah and and i do think it's it makes things very interesting for next year now um because there's no knowing really how much all of this has taken out of him um there's no notice there's no knowing how much it's done for the other players seeing him beaten on when when he's when he's that desperate not to be you know i can't think of too many times when djokovic has wanted something that much and not ended up with it um so look australia is his turf so you would expect if if there's ever a place for him to reset and go again, it's there. But we would have said that about Nadal at the French Open this year. Mm. We we said it about Federer at Wimbledon. The, there's there's no guarantees of anything. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Yeah, it's a good point you make about belief to see him, to see him beaten, to see his will defined and to see him beaten by, not by team, or by Nadal, or by Federer even, by sort of one of their own, one of these guys that have been nipping at the heels. Yeah, I think it will do a lot for belief. That's a really really good point. And how much better might Medvedev get yet? If you consider Mm. he won the Tour Finals last year, we kind of feel that he let himself down in the Australian Open Final. Well, maybe this this will propel him to something more... Yeah, definitely. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, what more cel- what more grand slam winning celebrations might he have up his sleeve? He's he set a very uh, very high bar there, hasn't he? And it's on his computer game activity between now and then, doesn't it? <laughs> now I see David that into our agenda you've st- you've snuck some Clara Towson. Yes, you love I a have. bit of Clara Towson. <laughs> well, I, I I love the um the fact that this is the young woman that beat Emma Raducanu a few short weeks before the US Open started and in a three-set match and they're the two that, well, we've been talking about Towson obviously a lot more because she'd already won a title in Lyon. She'd won another one in that final against in Chicago, a low, slightly lower level one. And she'd come on our radar at the French Open, the October French Open of last year when she'd beaten Jennifer Brady in the first round after my unending hype about Brady. Um, and then that, that hype obviously switched to Towson. Uh, and she's she's done very well, but she hasn't done what Radicana's done, despite my hype. Um, but what has she gone and done the very next week is win a title in Luxembourg. An a, a WTA 250, she beat uh, Yelena Ostapenko, 6-3, 4-6-6-4, hitting 31 winners in the final. And she beat... Uh, Katarina Alexandrova and Marketa Vondrosheva, both in three sets along the way. And I didn't see any, hardly any of this, but just on paper, that is mightily impressive. And what must it do to her belief to see Raducanu go and win a Grand Slam just out of the blue a few weeks after she's beaten her? I mean, maybe she's next. Oh, Okay. 
<laughs> you're just gonna you, you, we're just gonna let that hang in the air and move on well i just think i think it's possible i think it's possible she's got so much power she doesn't have the i don't think she has the athleticism and the balance uh and maybe the and i don't know i haven't seen enough of her game to understand her match play now We've seen it so. We've seen twenty sets in two weeks from Emma Raducanu, so we know what we, what she's capable of. I don't really know what happens to Towson when she gets put under pressure. Um, not enough yet at the highest level, but the facts are there. She beat Raducanu a few weeks ago. She's winning titles. She's a teenager. She's got incredible power. She could well okay. join the group. What about Jasmine Paolini? Yes. He won Portoroz. Yes. She beat Alison Risk this week. Now, Jasmine pa- Paolini, wasn't she beaten by Victoria Azarenka at the US Open? And, I think and that's right. And Azarenka had really high praise for her. Mm. And I saw Paolini for the first time, I think, in Rome a couple of years ago. I think I commentated on a match of hers when I was at BT Sport. And um, she just looked to me at the time like the classic. Italian clay quarter and I remember thinking she she's going to be a nightmare to play on the surface but she'll never do anything on any, anything else because I just you know these loopy ground strokes you know and um reared on clay and yet here she is beating Alison Risk the flattest hitter in the world on on a hard court you know again I haven't seen it but that's on paper one heck of a good win a really good title. Are you going to say, could she be next? No, I'm not. <laughs> but 25 years old she is, and I just think it's really impressive. Um, we <laughs> have had the news this week, haven't we, that the WTA finals will be staged, and they will be staged in Guadalajara, Mexico, in the second week of, of November. The Billie Jean King Cup, uh, which we know now will be held in Prague, uh, that will be in the first week of November and then followed by uh, back-to-back finals, WTA finals first, and then the uh, ATP finals in Turin in the third week of November. So a very busy November upcoming in the tennis world. Um, I I had heard rumours about Guadalajara, so it it wasn't a massive surprise to me, um, but it... It is objectively a surprising location. Um, and we've had Ash Barty's coach, Craig Tizer, expresses as much to the Australian journalist, Darren Moulton. Um, yeah, in, in a, in a very candid interview. Yeah. In the Australian Associated Press, um, he described, the location, timing, and conditions for the prestigious event, the WTA Finals in Guadalajara, as ridiculous. Um, that's his quote. Um, he said, we only just found out it's in Mexico at 1,500 meters above sea level, and they're using pressureless balls. Pressureless balls, he says, absolutely fly. It's a ball that if you use it in normal conditions, it doesn't bounce. It's not the greatest advertisement for the girls in the world to be playing something for the best girls in the world to be playing something they've never played before uh, in conditions they've never played in a country they don't play and at altitude. I just feel it's ridiculous as a spectacle. It's frightening. Uh, Ash needs to go home. Uh, she's a super homebody. 
Indian Wells is still on the radar. Now, Indian Wells is in a, in a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? But she just needs to rest. She was physically and mentally exhausted uh, after the US Open. So I told her to just get away and have a holiday and refresh everything. We'll probably make a decision at the end of the week about what she's going to do, depending on where she's at. But it certainly isn't easy for us to get out there and play that event in Mexico and then come back and have to do two more weeks in quarantine. And then your summer's sort of ruined as well um, out of the Australian Open. Um, it's a decision we'll have to sit and mull over quite a bit. So, um, and he, he's actually said as well, it was about the decision to stage it in, um, in Guadalajara. He says, we were originally told it was Hong Kong and then we were told it was Prague and all of a sudden we hear it's in Mexico. It's almost like it's a last gasp. It doesn't strike me as if they're really trying to promote the best girls in the world for the top eight as a showcase to put it where it's at. Um, I mean, on that on that note, I, f I think that's a bit harsh, personally. Mm. I, I mean, I, I totally understand it's not ideal, but maybe. But the world isn't ideal right now. They had a 10-year deal in Shenzhen for extraordinary amounts of money uh, guaranteed. And that cannot happen this year, just as it cannot happen or it did not happen last year. And in fact, the event didn't happen at all last year. And they're very much hoping to be back in Shenzhen and they're intending to be next year. But they needed a solution. Yeah, I agree. It, it's obviously suboptimal. I mean, the, the the conditions, the the altitude in particular will, will play a big part. I mean, it, it could be fun seeing the world's best tennis players try to adapt to, you know, it's almost like throwing them onto an obstacle course, isn't it? It, it could be quite interesting. Give them or a wooden racket. Be, yeah, it, or, it, you know... It, it could be a car crash. I don't know, but it's obviously not. It's obviously not ideal. Um, but exactly as you say, these. I mean, for him to say it seems last gasp. I think it is last gasp. I think the WTA probably, they might not phrase it like that, but probably wouldn't deny it. You know, they need to. They needed to make this happen financially um, for the tour. You know, they 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 needed by hook or by crook to just find a way to make it happen in unideal circumstances and they've done that and I'm pleased that they have. I don't think anyone is trying to pretend that this is anything close to plan A, but who's been living plan A for for, for the last two years? So um I'm pleased it's happening. I'm I'm nervous about it as well. But I, I'm I'm also very intrigued. Um and I hope that you know there there will be absences for sure. It sounds like Ash Barty will most likely be one. Obviously, we have the situation with Naomi Osaka where she last we heard from her was, I think I'm going to take a break for a while. It's possible that she'll play. She's currently in seventh position in the race. But I think if we were to, to guess now, we would we would think that she she wouldn't. Um, so so that leaves sort of two spots open you're already going down to number 10 in the world then for your, for your qualifiers and you'd expect there to be for there to just as there there always are for there to be one or two injury related withdrawals now obviously a lot of eyes are looking down to number 14 in the race which is Emma Raducanu um, she's less than 400 points behind the eighth position Indian Wells still to come it is totally not out of the question that she could qualify it's 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 unclear with all of those variables what she'd actually have to do in Indian Wells to do so. But, you know, it's not a situation where she'd have to go and win the thing. I don't think she'd just have to have 
most likely a bit of a run. Um, as we've discussed, we don't know if she'll play Indian Wells. We don't know if it would even be the right thing for her to play Indian Wells. I'm sure, you know, now that things are dying down, hopefully just a little, that these are all things that they'll be they'll be weighing up. But um, I'm sure there would be a lot of people in tennis that would be desperate for Emma Raducanu to try and make a, a charge to qualify for Guadalajara. Mm. Yeah. It, it will be fascinating, really, because because there are there, there are enough points on offer mm. at the events coming up in the next few weeks for to close that gap, even without withdrawals. Yeah, I wonder how high up that may end up being on her priority list. They they may decide that they're not going to bother, but um, it's uh, it'd be cool <laughs> from an outside perspective <laughs> if she did make it, wouldn't it? I think you'd t- that also, I don't know what the deal is with quarantines and everything, whether you'd have to stay in the US after Indian Wells, because mm. um, it's easier to travel to Mexico from the US than it is from the There's all these kind of extra COVID considerations to throw into it. Indian also. Wells finishes, what, mid-October, and then um, WTA Finals is second week of November, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So it'd be quite a long stint to stay on but equally it's it's an unsatisfactory period if quarantines are involved to to come home for i don't know it's going to be it's going to be very interesting um so yeah indian wells kicks off in a couple of weeks time the next sort of the next major men's event on the horizon or notable men's event on the horizon is the labor cup um which we're coming to on monday that kicks off on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Boston this year. It's it. We we're going to watch it. We're going to cover it. We're going to talk about it. I'm sure we'll enjoy elements of it. But there are elements of it that are already making us feel a very familiar feeling of discomfort, aren't there? And we we don't want to be feeling this way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I certainly saw over the weekend that uh, Labour Cup in announcing the players that it was going to be or promoting the players that were going to be playing uh, reminded everybody that um, Alexander Zverev had been the the man that took his team over the line in 2019 in a tweet and it got a heck of a lot of replies Um People mentioning the allegations that were made against him; those allegations that he's um, he's persistently denied, um, and uh, a lot of people reporting that having mentioned those allegations on the timeline had subsequently been blocked um, from viewing anything else from the Labour Cup in the future. So the whole thing is, um, yeah, it's just an uncomfortable process and experience to be to be following it all uh, still. And the allegations do specifically relate to an alleged incident at that Labour Cup in in 2019. And according to to Olga Sharipova's account, a Labour Cup official uh, was was involved in the aftermath of one one of those incidents. You know, it, it, it the account specifically references that that tournament. Um, and that was something that was being pointed out by a lot of the responses to that to that tweet. It all just, you know, there's there's nothing new here in terms of how we feel about the situation. Um, 
it requires an authority and a governing body to step in and try and <laughs> not sort it out. There's no sorting out a situation like this, but address try and, it. Uh, yeah. Just at the most basic acknowledge level, it, address, address it, it, acknowledge it, um, and try and find a path forward. And mm. um, we and we feel so far from that at the moment. But look, we will, as I say, we'll be watching it. We'll we'll cover it. I don't know what that'll look and sound like, but it will be coming to you on Monday. <laughs> it will. Um, Matt will be back. Uh, I asked David before recording, are there shout outs? Are there, is there an intro? Is there a mascot? And he said, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, but Matt's not here. So (laughs) we'll never know. Uh, So if you've only listened to this episode in hopes of having your shout out at the end, I apologize. You might have been, you might have been today. um, But this is what happens when our firm hand on the tiller is absent. Uh, he'll be back next week. We'll all be back next week, David. And he was on—he was pictured on an actual boat as well. On an actual boat. Oh, bless him. Yeah. He needs a week off. He blooming well held the ship going <laughs> while he I was did. away. Um, Billy Jean has missed him desperately this week. There's been a lot of going and sitting and waiting at the door. She does look a bit grumpy on your right shoulder there. Mm. Yeah. Yes, I'm wearing her like a scarf at the moment. It's <laughs> It's lovely. Um, so right, those those were David's hot US Open takes. Looking looking forward to reliving reliving this US Open again in the near future as soon as we yes. can think of a a flimsy excuse to do so, David. Oh, I would happily just go and like do a watch along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, done. Sold. Let's get that in the diary. Uh, we've got our regular mascots, of course. We've got Rogue, Scouser, Mouse, or Zeus, Billy Jean King. Oh yeah, I forgot. Um, sorry, Billy Jean. I actually forgot to put you on the list. <laughs> <laughs> you did, David. You did. Don't worry. Matt's I will not here. Never it's not my forget. fault. Uh, we have Chris Albert Lee, who may sometimes stu- soon be restored in my mind to top bloke. Still, still mediocre bloke at the moment. I'm still not over. Still not over, over my record points total that didn't win the U.S. Open predictions. Uh, but well done, Chris Albert Lee. Yep. Uh, yeah, thank you for being our executive producer. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Sign up to the newsletter. All sorts of good stuff in there, as per usual. We'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.